Hello, welcome to Going Deeper. My name is Marcy Sklove, and today my guest is Al Miller. Al is a longtime resident of the Valley, living in Montague. He's co-owner of Brooks Bend Farm. He's also a furniture maker and a published author, a poet. Um, he also, Al also is a Vietnam veteran and has been speaking about his lessons learned in the war uh, for about 25 years now. Um, there is another thing that we, some of us know in the Valley, there was a play a few years ago called Ambush on T Street, and Al is a co-author of that as well. That is a wonderful play about the impacts of war on all levels of society. So we'll be talking about all of those themes, and today is a kind of poignant day to be talking about this. It's the day after the mass killing in Orlando, Florida. So I just wanted to acknowledge that we're all sort of reacting and feeling all the grief and loss and fear that, bring, that it brings up. Um, and I bet we'll be touching on some of those emotions during our, during our talk. This is a two-part interview. And welcome. Thank you. <laughs> really, wonderful to be here with really you. Really great. Um, so I often start this way in one angle or another, um, but I'd I'd like you to think about what experiences mm. growing up mm. uh, sort of helped to set the stage for the path you found yourself on. Oh boy. It's a big one, but it's also fine to take it in any direction. Mm. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, you know, early life and how that can set us up or does set us up for, you know, um, yeah. a lot of the rest of our lives. So, uh, you know, I, I have, on the one hand, you could call it the good fortune to have three brothers who are therapists. Oh. And uh, I still like them. <laughs> and, and treat them as ordinary people. Um, but um, so we've had a lot of conversations about, uh, intimate conversations about our growing up, our parents, what they were dealing with, what they were working with, and how that transpired it, in our family. And probably one of the most significant parts of my parents' early marriage is the death of my oldest sister yeah. in an accident, when a truck door that my dad was driving, swung open and she fell out and was run over and killed. And um, it kind of, you know, it lived in the family, lived, uh, f you know, forever after that in my parents. And, uh, you know, they didn't really talk about it until like I was probably the age of the draft. Wow. And, um, but. Did you know about it? Though? I did. Yeah. From my older siblings, I, I was the youngest of 10 children. Mm -hmm. So I was already ready for barracks life, you know, mm -hmm. by living with, you know, such a large uh, platoon of <laughs> kids, right? Um, yeah. And um, so I think the way my parents 
dealt with that was to really kind of encapsulate it and keep it inside. Mm -hmm. So I think we know as you know adults with our own lives that you can't really put things away. Right. You know, um, and I love Faulkner's line, mm -hmm. um, the past isn't really the past and it's not even gone. Mm -hmm. It's with us all the time. Um, and that's, you know, not a direct quote either from Faulkner, but a play on what he said. So, um, you grow up in, in an atmosphere of the families being kind of, if you're shut down around one issue, it doesn't mm -hmm. compartmentalize. You're shut down around everything. So I don't remember, I don't remember that my parents ever talked about an emotion with each other. Hmm. that they never expressed anger with each other. Um, and um, when I, you know, was married later on, I, 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 my wife at the time was quite adept with expression of anger, and it just stunned me. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I never, wasn't really skilled or prepared to deal with that. And um, and then I can remember her saying to me, this is really telling, how do you feel about something? Mm -hmm. And I had no clue how I felt about something. I, wow. I couldn't really find, uh, this is, is crazy to me to think of now, yeah. but I couldn't find uh, emotions. Wow. And it was stunning, shocking. Um, and uh, that revelation to, yeah. to myself. Um, so, you know, in a way, I think it sets a person up for, mm -hmm. um, excuse me, uh, the military mm -hmm. in a really good way. Yeah. Um, and historically, you know, this is an inadequate response, but um, uh, Napoleon was quite aware mm -hmm. of the orphans and the disenfranchised uh, children of Europe. And uh, the word for infantry comes wow. from infantile. Yeah. And he knew those, uh, what would you call, um, disconnected um, uh, children yeah. were um, prey for sure. militarization. Wow. And that kind of you know, is reflected in our contemporary lives with the place, the role that gangs play. That's, I was just thinking about thinking that. About it. Yeah. yeah, it really follows, doesn't it? It does make sense. Um, so I don't want to leave the early life yet mm. um, because I wanted to ask you about religion and right, right. how did that... Oh, my God. Yeah, how did that fit in to this family of a right. big family with this huge, hard grief that didn't get expressed? Right. Yeah, yeah I never saw that grief expressed. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we went to a pretty fundamentalist um, kind of church, a uh, country church where the ministers were like... Um, we're not paid ministers or trained ministers. You know, they're self-taught lay ministers. Let's back up a minute. Yeah. You were in Missouri, Missouri. That's Missouri. Missouri. If you're from Missouri. And, and we're talking about 
late 40s, early 50s now? Yeah, kind of a lot, yeah. like the mid-50s for mid -50s, me. Mid-50s, yeah. Okay, seven-ish yeah. or eight-ish. Yeah, yeah, just a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and, and what religion was it? Yeah, um, so it, it was an offshoot of the Mormon church. Mm. Mormons were called the Latter-day Saints, right. and the church I grew up in was called the Reorganized Latter-day Saints. Oh. Um, some fundamental beliefs were very different, um, but they still used the same, you know, basic theology of the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the hmm. Bible for their um, scriptural references. And, um, you know, it, it, it gave my parents, I think, a place to bring their grief, hmm. but not really express it. Because I can remember my, my father was an elder in the church, and, you know, the elders would be asked to give a benediction or offer all um, prayers and stuff. And I remember being really embarrassed that my father would always uh, kind of show emotion hmm. in those prayers. It would be his place where he could he release. He got a little choked up. Yeah, mm -hmm. and teared up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just like, oh, gosh. Yeah. And I'd be embarrassed by that. Sure. But I didn't understand that, you know, he was containing, yeah. um, you know, the emotion um, and the accidental death and killing of his yeah, daughter, oldest yeah. daughter, was that thing that he never otherwise talked about, right. ever. Right. Mm -hmm. And y you, were, you were once telling me about some of the beliefs, you know, this, no this notion of burning in hell for committing a sin. <laughs> and here's your father who did this huge, right. I mean, that's kind of a huge thing mm. that could be considered a sin. It was an accident, but... Mm. Uh, right. And how, you know, how could God be so punitive? These wow, were, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Uh, the, con the context, the content. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is is hard to tease all the way apart. You know, the uh, shame, you know, the guilt, yeah. and then a religious kind of backwash of guilt. Right. Um, and there's another underlying element. I think that my mother um, was a strong intuitive, and she'd been after my father to get the door fixed, mm -hmm. and he didn't do it before the accident happened. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The car door, the truck door. Yeah. Wow. So and So there was blame there too or oh, did she it, it was interesting. So I was the last at home and uh, I was around when no one else was around mm -hmm. and my mother was working. And I have a, a lot of memories of her having conversations with someone yeah. as she's working. And one time, you know, that'd been going on, I'd noticed it a lot, so I said, "Hey mom, who are you talking with? Hmm. And man, her face dropped. And um, and I knew that I'd really embarrassed her. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I made the agreement with myself that I wouldn't pursue that again. Wow. But it was interesting. Uh, and sometimes she would be really angry. Mm -hmm. And there would be a real verbal mm. 
exchange and struggle, and I was listening to one side of the conversation mm -hmm. as she was doing laundry or something. Yeah. So. Um, so do you think she was talking to her little daughter, or, or her, or was she talking to God? Yeah, I, I've wondered about that. Yeah. You know, and, and it felt like there was some um, exchange <laughs> with the God. Yeah. A figure. Yeah. And like. What the hell? Wow. Yeah. Are you doing this to me? Yeah. And then I think some of it was also reserved for my father. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, like we grew up in this family of 10, and it's like having had this incident of the accident to my oldest sister. Yeah. What to make of the next, you know, there were three kids alive when that happened. There were seven more babies to come after that. How much retribution was there in procreation hmm. for uh, not tending the flock? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Absolute supposition. You know, I have no idea what the sure. reality is. But I can, you can think of it in terms of what, what would we do? How would we respond? How would I respond? Were any of those alive when Jean was killed, were any of those the ones who became therapists? Yeah, my oldest brother. Yeah, because I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about what the impact of the other kids who were alive then. I mean, think about yeah. the next day and the weeks oh after and the trauma for yeah. the whole family. When, and we were right on the dust bowl and um, when she was killed, is that right? Yeah, 13 years, yeah. Right, maybe at the end of the Dust Bowl, but mm. in that period of time, and my older brother, Dean, we were out in western Kansas for a family reunion several years ago, a decade yeah. maybe. So we asked our older brother, do you remember the day that that happened? And yeah. he said, yeah, I do. Wow. And I'd never heard him talk about it before. And so I said, you know, what do you remember? And he's, the thing that he expressed that stayed with me, that I've written into something, mm -hmm. is that um, the wind was blowing so hard mm. that I couldn't tell where the whaling was coming from. Wow. Powerful, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so then he, he reflected on seeing my mother set the table mm -hmm. and uh, turn the dishes upside down because the wind was blowing so hard mm. that the dust just came in around the window panes and wow. under the doors and stuff. And would only turn up the serving, the plates, yeah. when the meal was ready to be served. Yeah. Yeah. So he told that story in combination with that. And we were standing in western Kansas. The wind's blowing. Wow. And you can see the grass and the weeds all waving. Sure. And the birds who are, you know, of that prairie region we're all in the air with the wind and stuff. So I, I wrote all that mm -hmm. into a piece about the families, mm. the brothers standing in a circle, listening to our elder brother. And then we're standing on a gravel road, which would have been what they were on when the accident happened, yeah. and how that sound of uh, wheels going sure. over gravel would just have a different imprint in, your, in your brain, the sounds, yeah. the smells the wind, all of it just yeah. would be locked in, you know, in a traumatic event, uh, the brain would just sear those images. Wow. And 
So anyway, <laughs> so that was, you know, kind of, and I was well beyond Vietnam into my adult years before I began to look at that sure. with my brothers and, and, and try to, you know, tease, you know, I think we'd all say we really respected our parents for the way they raised us. Mm -hmm. But then there was an absence mm -hmm. of emotion. Yeah. And I don't remember my parents ever touching me or hugging me yeah. as uh, growing up. And it was something I wanted so much yeah. that I, you know, absolutely, you know, drove my kids crazy. Oh, probably. I <laughs> you know, with like, you know, hugging and, but right. we're very affectionate with each other now. Yeah. And they're 40 and 35. But, um, yeah. but also going back to my parents and teaching them by hugging them, and then they begin to reciprocate. Interesting. Yeah. At, when you were an adult? Yeah. 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 Gosh, the child modeling for the parent. Yeah. Probably not the first time that's sure. happened, right? Sure. No, probably not. Right. Okay, so mm. all of this. There's one aspect um, that we're leaving out, and probably much more than one. Oh. But it's, um, I want to, I mean, words are complicated, yeah. but it's like a metaphysical. Mm. Is that a good word for it? This is um, sort of the story that you told about the pocket knife. Yeah. Do you want to tell about that? Yeah, I miss that part of being in church, listening to those fundamentalist preachers just screaming about burning in hell. Yeah. And that um, message coming in, scaring the hell out of me. Eh. Might have been a good thing, might have been a bad thing, who knows. Uh, when, he, when the preacher was saying, you know, you commit these sins and you could burn in eternity forever, you know, and yeah. as a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, it's like, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. freaking pretty out. Pretty scary. And then, you know, setting with that, even as a child going, that doesn't make sense mm -hmm. if there is an omnipotent one, mm -hmm. creator. Um, is that what you would create? What we have and see to punish people? Yeah. That doesn't make good sense to me. And it didn't to my you know, young yeah. heart at all. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, didn't, that just didn't settle with me. But what you're referring to is, you know, I have a really early memory. Um, you know, we were very rural in southern Missouri, lived on dirt roads and in a farm, rural community. And my brothers fished and hunted for, you know, for food. And um, that was just, you know, part of the lifestyle that, that we grew up with. And um, being the youngest, you know, I always wanted to go with the older brothers and stuff, and it's like, no, you're too young. And I, ha you know, I harassed all the <laughs> olders until I got a pocket knife. Yeah. So I could, you know, be like the big boys. And, but it was kind of, you know, he probably couldn't have made it sharp. Yeah. You know, maybe it was like an envelope opener or something like that, mm. but I had one. And I lost it really quick, yeah. of course. And uh, my mother asked me if I still had it one day, and uh, me to my mother, and I said, oh, I lost it. And she said, well, keep looking for it. And I tried everything that I could think of and couldn't find it. And yeah. so one day, 
I just in frustration said, where are you? Yeah. Uh, to the pocket knife and I heard, I'm behind the couch. Yeah. Just that clear, those words. And uh, I went, my little skinny self, and wedged in behind the couch and there it was. Yeah. So in a few days, uh, my mother's kind of coming through the living room and says, um, Al, did you find your knife? And then I, just, I couldn't remember just like swelling up, yeah. you know, in stature and girth and feeling really um, like I had something here. Yeah. And I really wanted to tell her, you know, that what had happened. So right. I jumped into it, you know. So I asked, I asked the knife where it was, Mom, and it told me yeah. where it was. Yeah. And her face just went, <sighs> dropped. You know, I mean, as she was holding my eyes with her eyes, her face sunk. And I went, oh, this isn't good. I mean, um, a friend of mine, another one of the psychologists, family friend, did a, his a PhD thesis on uh, nonverbal communication in mm -hmm. infants. Mm -hmm. And infants learn how to control their parents like in the first six months. Wow. You know, how to That's get their amazing. needs met. Yeah. Sure. So, we are very attuned to, sure. you know, the information that someone's given us. So um, I knew that this was not going well when, when, yeah. when her face had that expression. And she just said, Alan, you have to promise me. You have to promise me that you'll never tell another person what you just told me. Yeah. And um, I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that someone would ask you that kind of a question. But there was really no path, no way to say, no, I'm not going to promise you that, mother. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. You know, with this mother, especially with everything that she did, it was like, you know, you're obligated wow. to say, okay, I'll do that. Now, as a young person, and give me a signal if I'm going down the wrong path here and you want to correct the <laughs> direction we're going. No, All you're, right, doing, you're doing fine. Okay, thanks. And um, so now I'm like going back and writing the fictionalized version of that because the way this plays out in my, you know, young adult life as a soldier in Vietnam, yeah. I have those same experiences. I have had them my whole life. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just um, create. there's a whole, I can feel it when I start to mention this, the emotions rise in me because yeah. the content of trying to suppress um, intuition, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Right. And um, more than that, you know, I saw things yeah. that no one else saw in Vietnam. Yeah. And, um, and I've had those kind of uh, events in my life forever. Yeah. And I made this promise to my mother, most significant person in a person's life, yeah. and uh, that I would never break that promise. And even though... That you would never tell anyone. I'd never tell any, anybody about that kind of experience. Wow. Um, it presented great conflicts. Sure. And um, I've, you know, I went for a long time without talking about that. But yeah. there was an incident in Vietnam. Do you want me to progress to that? Um, before you do that, okay. let's come back to that because All right. I, I want to be sure we only have about five minutes left in this part one. Wow. 
I know, right? It just flies. Yeah. Whether you're having fun or not. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of get us to Vietnam. Okay. Um, okay. And then I think we'll we'll get us there, and then okay. we'll start back next part two in Vietnam and go beyond. Yeah. Unless. Is there something that you've written that you would like to read that's related to your mm. um, early life? Or would you like to hold off and read in part two? Yeah, I don't. It doesn't matter the strategy to me. Okay. This poem is about where I grew up okay. in early life from the perspective of um, being in a hospital bed in Japan. Okay. After being shot in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's. Let's in the right get you place. in Vietnam first. Okay. So just tell us, like, yeah, whatever you want to say about that. You know, just. Um, we moved from Missouri when I was like 12 years old. And we went to New Mexico, and I'd been in a one room grade school with everyone I knew. And I knew their families probably for three generations. Wow. And uh, eight grades, one room school, and maybe 25 students. To a junior high school of three grades with 700 students. Mm. And I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And so I really withdrew. Uh, in, it was very difficult to move into that. You know, people were developing relationships and friendships. And it was hard. So... <laughs> Truth be told, the only path that I could find into relationships with uh, people my age was kind of as a juvenile delinquent, mm -hmm. um, because that was what that was the group I could I could get into. Sure. Uh, so I did that. I didn't really, you know, I wanted to experience the life of the pool hall, and in Hobbs, New Mexico, it wasn't the pool hall in the suburbs. It was the pool hall. Yeah. where, you know, knife fights broke out. And it was yeah. where people, you know, with, uh, you know, teenage boys who already had tattoos from their time in the lockup. Yeah. You know, it was a, that was the, the scene. And uh, I wanted to experience that. I wanted to experience the difference between my church family yeah. and this, you know, you never say a cuss word, you never talk about... Uh, all of the things I thought were important. Right. And so uh, I was drawn that way to experience those things. And so school was really, education was secondary. Yeah. There was no one saying, you know, how sure. are you doing with that stuff? How are you doing with school? Um, do you need any help with anything? There was nobody around yeah. for that. But I could have friends who were interested in other adventures. Yeah. And so I went with that. So by the time I'm, I'm through high school, my GPA is, um, you know, already passed through the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's down there. And um, I went to a junior college and, you know, made the dean's list mid-semester, flunked out by the end of the semester. Wow. And um, I was draft, draft bait. Yeah. And went and took the Air Force flight physical. Uh, could have gone into anything in the Air Force, hmm. um, but I didn't follow through with it. So then I was drafted. Oh, okay. And uh, just went along. 
yeah. with this is this is what happens. Sure. You know, just you know, like you know, passively going. I mean, I didn't know anybody in my community that would have resisted the draft, right. burned a draft card, or not taken the obligation as a rite of passage. Yeah. And all of the adults in my community were like, "Good for you." you yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. This will make a man out of you. Wow. All right. So that combined, yeah, we're going to stop part one in a second, but um, that combined with this sort of wall of no emotion is mm -hmm. now the stage is set for the training, the months that you spent in, yeah. in the war. Yeah. Okay, so we will pick this up in part two. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Marcy Sklove, and this is Al Miller, Thanks, and Marcy. we're in the show going deeper. So we'll be back in part two. Thank you. <laughs>